Today is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. On this day in 1969, a military group led by Captain Muammar Gaddafi orchestrated a coup and seized control of Libya. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're discussing the 1969 coup d'etat in Libya that brought the ruthless dictator Muammar Gaddafi to power. Let's go back to the early hours of September 1st, 1969, in the capital city of Tripoli. It was a quiet night in the seaside city. Once the oppressive sun set, families all over held each other close, enjoying the cool weather. But all of a sudden, the silence was disrupted by the sound of distant rumbling. The noise grew louder and the ground started to tremble. People awoken by the commotion rushed to their bedroom windows to look outside. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. Armored tanks streamed into the city from all sides. Countless troops marched close behind. In the darkness, people worried they were under attack from foreign invaders. What those in Tripoli didn't know was that this exact scene was playing out all over Libya. Coordinated military forces marched through the streets of the second most populous city in the country, Benghazi. The troops made their way straight toward the military barracks in hopes of establishing control. Some citizens feared that large-scale fighting might break out. Libyans all over the country tensed as they listened to scattered crackles of brief gunfire. But their fears of a massive conflict proved to be unfounded. As the hours passed and the sun peaked over the horizon, no war broke out. Instead, it appeared that Libya's own military were the ones seizing control. While this might have been a shock in many other countries, Libyans weren't too surprised. For months, there'd been a sense of unease permeating the country. Faith in their leader, King Idris, was in free fall. During World War II, Libya was occupied by Italy before being liberated by French and British forces. After the war, Libya was controlled by the two Western countries until the United Nations voted in 1951 to re-establish Libya as a sovereign nation. Idris was placed in power as the ruler of the Kingdom of Libya, and it didn't take long for him to consolidate his hold on the country. In 1959, oil was discovered and Western governments pumped in millions of dollars worth of aid. These actions served as a clear quid pro quo, oil in exchange for power. But the people in Libya suffered. There was rampant poverty despite the staggering wealth being brought into the country, and Idris's alliance with the Western world rubbed the Arab majority the wrong way. Arab nationalism was on the rise in the wake of the Six-Day War in June of 1967. In that conflict, Israel expanded into Egyptian territory. When the nations finally signed the ceasefire, Israel had lost only 1,000 troops, while Egypt and their allies suffered nearly 20,000 casualties. 
So when 79-year-old King Idris flew to Turkey to receive treatment for a leg ailment, a secret group of military officials known as the Central Committee of Free Officers seized the opportunity of his absence. They faced little resistance. Most Libyans were fed up with the monarchy and open to new opportunities. The coup captured military bases, airports, and radio stations across the country. The group apprehended the heir apparent to the throne, who was forced to cede power. As the sun rose, the transition was complete. The military was in complete control. A 27-year-old captain named Muammar Gaddafi made a radio broadcast announcing the transition. He denounced the old regime by calling them incompetent. Gaddafi pronounced that it was a peaceful transition so far. If any foreign powers tried to get in their way, they would be crushed. A temporary government was established. It was led by a 12-man committee known as the Revolutionary Command Council. At its head was Muammar Gaddafi. He ruthlessly ruled over Libya for the next 42 years. Up next, we'll explore Gaddafi's history and his horrible legacy. Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new ParCast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On September 1st, 1969, Muammar Gaddafi orchestrated a coup and seized control of Libya. Before he was a captain in the military, Muammar Gaddafi was born in a tent in the middle of the Libyan desert. His parents were Bedouins, or local nomads. Gaddafi's family moved around the arid landscape for years, eventually settling down when it was time for him to attend school. In class, Gaddafi excelled, and by the time he made it to the equivalent of high school, he was very popular. He was known for his enthusiastic charisma. In 1963, he graduated from the University of Libya, where he studied history. When he was 21, he joined the Royal Military Academy, where he was trained by British forces. 
Qaddafi was a bright pupil who excelled in his coursework. He quickly climbed through the ranks. In 1964, he founded the Central Committee of Free Officers. This small group swore loyalty to each other and pledged to operate in the best interest of Libya, even if that meant rebelling against their ruler. Qaddafi was inspired by the writings of the second president of Egypt, Gamal Abdel Nasser, who, before ascending to power, created his own secret group of military personnel. In 1965, Qaddafi graduated from the academy and became a communications officer. From there, he was sent to the United Kingdom in 1966 to receive further training. But he felt disillusioned by the Western culture in London. He longed to be back in Libya with his countrymen. He had a strong sense of national identity and loathed the presence of what he saw as imperialists in his homeland. Three years later, he orchestrated the coup to depose King Idris. Afterward, he worked tirelessly to hold an iron grip on the country. He resisted pressure from both the United States and the Soviet Union to take a side in Cold War tensions. Gaddafi was both a staunch nationalist and an economic socialist. But no one would stand in his way. Small businesses were taken over, and minorities were forced to submit to Qaddafi's nationalism. While his reign might have started with good intentions to free his countrymen from the reins of political pressure, he succumbed to the same pitfalls as his predecessor. As time went on, Qaddafi consolidated as much power as he could, and he made himself rich in the process. He was often seen wearing designer sunglasses and boots. The longer he stayed in charge, the worse his tyranny became. He had political dissenters killed simply for speaking out against him. He was also a strong state supporter of terrorist groups who committed atrocities all over the world, like the bombing of Pan Am Flight 103. The Detroit-bound plane was blown up over a small Scottish town. All 259 passengers perished, and 11 people on the ground were killed by debris. Despite what he may have believed about himself, Qaddafi was a dictator, and after nearly 50 years of rule, his people had enough. In the wake of the 2011 Arab Spring, Qaddafi was nervous that the protests would spread from Egypt to Libya. He purged top military officials who he thought might be sympathetic to the cause. He also denounced the demonstrations in Egypt. But his efforts had little effect. Protests and unrest erupted in Benghazi. In response, Qaddafi ordered hundreds of protesters killed. It was the final spark that lit the fuse. Days later, the country erupted into civil war. Rebels backed by NATO overwhelmed Qaddafi's forces. By October of 2011, the government had collapsed and Qaddafi was forced into hiding with loyalists. On October 20, 2011, the rebels stormed one of Qaddafi's compounds and captured the 69-year-old leader. The dictator met his end. He had come into power with a coup and went out in much the same way.
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories covering the rise and fall of political tyrants, be sure to check out ParCast Original, Dictators. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.